poured out into these young people and that they have led us through worship with their talents. And so now, Lord, as we open up the word, we pray that the word that has been true from the beginning and will continue to be true until the end, that you will use it to shape and to transform us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. As Christians, we have gotten into a really bad habit of separating life between things that are spiritual and things that are secular. So as Christians, we do a good job of this. The Seventh-day Adventists, and this is what it looks like. Everything that is spiritual is prayer, Bible study, going to church, nature channels on the Sabbath only, um, films about Noah and the Son of God are okay, but films about everything else, we don't go to the movies for those kinds of things. We've gotten into a really bad habit of compartmentalizing our lives into the things that are spiritual and the things that are secular. The things that are secular are everything that doesn't mention the name of Jesus or the name of God in a positive light. The things that are secular are the novels that we read or the televisions we show, we see rather, during the week. The things that are secular are the things that we reserve for six days out of the week. But the things that are spiritual are what we've set aside for Saturdays alone. But what ends up happening when we do this is we do a disservice to who you are as a Christian and as a believer in God. So I have an example that I want to share with you. When I was about 15 years old, um, I was going to a church in Riverside, and one of the things that we would do after church, there was always some sort of activity, of ministry activity that we could do. And so one of the things that we would do is go to a convalescent home. And so because I was 15 years old, I couldn't drive, I didn't have a car, so we would always get rides from different people. And on this particular Sabbath, it was my turn and my two friends to go in a car with a guy named Benjamin. Had never met him before, didn't know anything about him except he drove a really cool car. So we went with him. That's who we chose. I was sitting in the back seat, and as we get into the car, we're buckling up, and he says, hey, can you hand me the CD case that has yellow on it? Do you guys remember what CDs are? Some of you younger folks don't, but it's what we used to play music on. They were round discs, and so he had two CD cases a blue one and a yellow one. And he says, hand me the yellow one because the yellow one is the one that has all of my spiritual and Christian music. He goes, because today we only get to listen out of the yellow one. So it made sense. I was 15 years old. I was like, yeah, on Sabbath, you're supposed to only listen to Christian music. The problem with that is we, we kind of become spiritual schizophrenics. And what ends up happening is like, whoa, on Sabbath, we're holy. We're the best Christians. We don't break any commandments on Sabbath. On Sabbath, we are perfect. But six days of the week, that's permissible. We can do all the bad stuff as long as on Sabbath, we're good. Now, I don't know about you, but there's a problem with seeing the world that way. Because that, A, that's not theological. And that's not biblical. The Bible doesn't say you can literally do whatever you want for six days of the week. Those sins, whatever, those are all good. But on Sabbath, you have to be good, and it erases the slate for the week. Does the Bible teach that? And yet, we sometimes live as though that is how things work. You know, what ends up happening is we forget the biblical teaching that everything is actually spiritual. The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 2, that the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. What makes a person a living being? The breath of 
in some, in, some, in some sense, it is God's breath and it is God's spirit that enters into us, and that is what makes you a living, breathing person. It is the spirit. The Hebrew word used here for the spirit, it, it is described as the innermost part of a person that can respond to God. The spirit given to Adam and Eve at the beginning and the spirit that is given to you is that very thing in your heart, in your mind, and in your soul that can respond to God. So let me ask you this question. It's a rhetorical question. Can you only respond to God on Sabbath? No. God created you in such a way to enjoy life on this earth and to live it in such a way where you are in constant communion and dialogue with God. If that is true, then everything is spiritual. Now, let's not just look at the Old Testament. Let's look at the New Testament. And in it, we see, as our final part of the Armor of God series, Paul says, Pray in the Spirit at all times and in every prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert and always persevere in supplication for all the saints. Pray in the Spirit at all times. You see, this is one of those Bible phrases that is really hard to understand. This is one of those Bible phrases that we look at and we say, that sounds nice and that sounds great, but no one can do that. No one knows how to spray, pray, <laughs> spray, pray in the Spirit at all times. But what this really looks like, and as we've been discussing about the armor of God, to pray in the Spirit at all times isn't to be walking around with your eyes closed and praying and causing accidents or running into poles or running into people. But it's about an attitude. To pray in the Spirit at all times is to acknowledge that God is sovereign, powerful, omnipotent, all-knowing, and that God is God and I am not. That takes so much pressure off of living, by the way. Because when you are in prayer in all times, or prayer in the Spirit, it means that you are constantly open to the presence of God everywhere that you go. So you don't just have to come to church on Saturday mornings and get your Jesus fixed, but rather you can get it every single day, every moment of every day, whether you are in class, whether you are in the cafeteria, whether you are driving in traffic that everybody hates. Even in those worst of moments, God can be present if you allow yourself to be open to the presence of God. God created this world. This is God's earth. Don't you think that there is, there is nowhere that God cannot be? The Bible describes God as a God who is with us. And it is this God who chooses to be with you and walk with you, whether you are having a great day or whether you are having a difficult day. Here's the problem with us as people. When things are going amazing, do we have the tendency to worship and pray God all the time? I mean, like be in prayer all the time? No, let's just be honest. When things are going amazing, when we just got a raise in our jobs, when we just got a brand new car that we've been wanting for years, when we finally get that job that we want, or, or maybe that guy that you really like, he finally asks you out on a date, or, or opposite, right? If the, if the girl that you've been liking forever, she finally says yes to you. I mean, you say praise God, but you're just like, yeah, I'm excited. When we're happy, we're, we don't need to be in this constant prayer. It's only in the difficult of times. I would say that that's also, unfortunately, not biblically and theologically accurate. 
It shouldn't be that way. For us to be in the Spirit at, or to pray in the Spirit at all times is to acknowledge that even when we're sitting here, God's presence can be felt in such a powerful way that we only have to be open to His presence and allow God to show us what He wants us to see. How many of you have ever watched a television game, or rather a recorded or previously recorded um, game on television? Like, how many of you have ever watched, you know, like maybe there's like a game on Sabbath and we don't, you know, we're not going to do that, uh, or you're not going to admit to it anyway, so what do you do? I record the game so I can watch it at sundown, right? Now, I, I'm the kind of person that has recorded games, but I like to know if my team or if my guy won, because if he loses, it's a waste of time to watch, Right? Amen. Yes, we know that, okay? So I do that. And it's interesting because I'm a tennis fan. I know, I get a lot of slack for that, but I love watching tennis. Um, and so, so what I'll do is I'll record it, and I'll already know if my, because if my guy loses, I'm just going to erase it. I'm not going to watch it. I'm not going to torture myself. But here's what happens. If I know that he's going to ultimately win, he can lose a set or two sets or three sets, but it's like in my mind, or not three sets because then he's out, but he can lose up to two sets. But I know in my mind, you know what? He's going to win in the end. So it's worth watching this because it makes it that much better. In some cosmic way, God, I think, is like that. He already knows how the story ends. So wouldn't you want to put your trust in the one who knows how the story ends? Look, I I don't even know what I'm doing past this sentence. I I can think I know what I'm going to do. I plan on finishing the sermon and it being the greatest sermon and all of you guys loving it. I can think that I'm going to go to this meeting right after church, and it's going to be a great meeting. I can hope that things work out a certain way. The truth is, is I don't know what's going to happen beyond this very moment. But somehow and in some way, we believe that God does know. So wouldn't you want to put your trust in the one who has a bird's eye view of everything, rather in your own limited knowledge? To pray in the Spirit is to tap into and to ask God to say, God, show me what you need me to see. I don't need to see tomorrow. I don't even need to see 6 p.m. tonight. Show me what you need me to see right now. God can only reveal himself to you in the present. And what I mean by that is you're not living in the future yet. You're only living here right now. And God is revealing something to you even as I'm speaking these words of this sermon because God is continually speaking to you. The problem is we are not always open to that. Pray in the Spirit at all times, in every prayer and supplication. In how many prayers? Does it say pray only about the forgiveness of your sins? Does it say pray only for, the, for your neighbor who's going through something difficult? Does it say pray only when you're having a hard time? It says, now this is Paul who says in every prayer. So if you want to pray that your team beats the other team, feel free to do that. If you want to pray about things that other people will say are frivolous, according to Scripture, it says pray about everything. Now it doesn't say God's going to answer all of those questions, right? As, as was noticed in the Super Bowl, God was not interested in the Super Bowl this year. I think the devil was at work there this year, but whatever. Just saying. Next year, God will be interested in the Super Bowl. But the Bible says pray about everything. But how many of you have a friend, and the moment you see them, you just have like diary of the mouth, and you just want to talk to them about everything? How many of us have a friend like that? I do. 
Why can't we do the same thing with God? God just wants to be in a relationship with you, in a good relationship. It doesn't matter what you're doing at the time. It doesn't matter where you're going to go for dinner. All that matters is that you are together with that person, and that's the kind of relationship that God wants to have with you. Now, look, here's a caveat. I understand a relationship with God isn't quite the same as a relationship with your wife or with your husband or with your best friend. I understand that. God doesn't talk back to me, so I'm not just standing up here as a disconnected preacher, Christian, Seventh-day Adventist, who gets paid to say these things. I'm standing up here telling you that I know what it's like to be in prayer and to try to open myself every moment of every day to the presence of God. And I can stand up here and tell you that it doesn't, it's not always easy. God has never really spoken back to me. But God does, in his, in his wisdom and in his power, God does give clarity. The more that you allow yourself to be open to God, the more that you pray, the more that you're just driving down, you know, and you're getting mad at everyone because people are cutting you off, and you're just like, God, look, you know I'm mad, but help me out a little bit. Have you ever, had a, a, have you ever tried just talking to God about your day? I, look, if you're here, and you're here because someone invited you, or you're here to make someone happy, and you're not really a Christian, and you don't really buy into this. I know that sounds kind of kooky. Pray to someone, and you don't hear them back. Just pray all the time. That sounds so out of touch, Pastor. Like, I know how that sounds. Right? I just had a conversation with someone yesterday who's like, well, I don't know if I believe in God or what your idea of God is. And, and I'm like, cool, all right, cool. I believe in the God of the Bible, but that's fine. Like, you believe in a God, right? And they're like, well, yeah, maybe. I'm like, cool. I do, too. The truth is, all you have to do is be open to the, to, the, to the possibility that God is actually trying to show you something. I want you to, the next time that you have to sit in jury duty, or the next time you're sitting in traffic, or the next time you're sitting in a long line at the grocery store, I want to challenge you to do this prayer and just say, God, what do you want to show me right now? God, what are you trying to show me right now? Now, some of you are saying, like, God doesn't care that you're at the grocery store. I would say that, that he does care. And the more that we ask the question, God, what do you want me to see now? The more you will begin to realize that God will start speaking to you in a way that you understand. We spend so much, I, okay, I spend so much time on my cell phone. Wherever I am, if I have a free moment, what am I doing? I'm checking something because I'm that important, I guess. I don't know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and then again, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and has it, does anyone else do that? Nothing new is popping up in like, set, well, maybe, but not really. Nothing life-changing in the last six years that I've been on those things has been life-changing. And yet I do that, but what I'm trying to force myself to do is say, God, what do you want me to see? Forget, let me put this away for now. How can I interact in the world around me in a way that will bring honor and glory to God? So, can we do a quick story from Scripture? Can we do a quick story from scripture? <laughs> hey! <laughs> Inside joke. Let's read this quickly. Soon Daniel, this is Daniel from Daniel in the Lion's Den, distinguished himself above all the other presidents and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to appoint Daniel over the whole kingdom. 
So the presidents and the satraps tried to find grounds for complaint against Daniel in connection with the kingdom. So this guy Daniel, he had distinguished himself among all the other people. This was a, a, a Hebrew, a Jewish person or an Israelite living in a foreign land, in a land where he had no clout, and yet this man Daniel had managed to distinguish himself among everyone else. But they could find no ground for complaint or any corruption because he was faithful. And no negligence or corruption could be found in him. The men said, We shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. So they're going to use his God against him. So the presidents and the satraps conspired. This is the part in a Hollywood movie where the music would turn really dim and dark and you would know something bad's about to happen. So the presidents and the satraps, the other leaders, conspired and came to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and and enforce an interdict. So he says, okay, we, we've all, all of your people who you have chosen, right, so they're buttering him up, the, the people in your wisdom whom you have chosen, king, we have decided that this would be a good idea because this is going to make you look better. And that whoever prays to anyone, divine or human, for 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be thrown into a den of lions. So anyone who prays to any god or anything other than you, king, that person is subject to the, 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 the lion's den. Now, O king, establish this law and sign the document so that it cannot be changed. According to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which, ye, which cannot be revoked. So they're, they're, like, they're just like, they're walking him down a path where he can't go back. They, they've buttered him up, right? Be careful the people that butter you up with tons of compliments, right? Be careful when people say, oh, we want you to do this because it's only going to be better for you, right? So these, these people, these leaders, they come to the king and they say, this is going to be better for you and for the kingdom. And so then the story continues. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and the interdict or the law. Although Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he continued to go to his house, which had windows in its upper room open toward Jerusalem, and to get down on his knees three times a day to pray to God and to praise him just as he had done previously. Daniel did not let the external things around him get in the way of his prayer. How many of us have ever been in a restaurant or in the school cafeteria or wherever we are and we're kind of embarrassed to pray a little bit so it's one of these prayers where it's like, God, thank you for this, amen. And you just pretended to look down and over with your eyes closed, or you look down and you're tying your shoe that has no shoelaces, but you're like, God, thank you for this food. How many of us have ever done that? How many of us have ever been, uh, how many of us have ever been at a restaurant and we're praying, but we hear the waitress or the, or the, rather the server or whatever they're called come, and we stop the prayer and we ask them, you know, we answer them and then we go back to it. How many of you have ever been serving someone and they do that? Pastor Brett. So we make all of these like exceptions, and so we don't pray as much as we should, and, and we sometimes are embarrassed to pray, or sometimes because we don't know if our prayers, you know, there's, there, there's, there's some weird, um, how should I put it, urban legend in the Christian world that if your heart's not right with God, your prayer isn't going to go past the ceiling. Have you ever heard that? 
my parents said that to me growing up. I'm like, that's messed up. Like, so I would always wonder, man, are these prayers going like higher than the ceiling? That's false, obviously. That's not true. It's not biblical. God hears our prayers. No matter how good or how bad you are, God hears. I would say the worse you are, the more God hears your prayer, right? We're in need of God that much more. So Daniel doesn't allow his external circumstances to keep him from praying. He doesn't even allow the fear of death to get in the way of his prayers. Now, it says that he went and he would, he would open the window. And then the reason for this is he wasn't trying to show off that he was more holy than everyone. That's not what he was doing. Please understand that in the ancient world and in some religions still today, they will get out their prayer, their prayer mat. They will kneel down and pray specific prayers three times a day. All right, so this goes on today in some religions, okay? So Daniel was just doing the same thing. He was looking towards Jerusalem, the symbolic city of God, this Zion, right? So he's, he's looking towards that and acknowledging that, that God isn't necessarily there, but it's a symbol of where, where God is leading his people. And so Daniel prays without fear. And the, the Bible, the story continues. The conspirator, cons, conspirators came and found Daniel praying. They knew what was going to happen and seeking mercy before his God. Then they approached the king and said concerning the law, O king, did you not sign an interdict that anyone who prays to anyone, divine or human, within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be thrown into a den of lions? And the king answered, The thing stands fast. According to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which means that it cannot be revoked or changed, which cannot be revoked. Then they responded to the king, Daniel, one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the interdict that you have signed. But he, but he, is, saying that his, wait, but he is saying his prayers three times a day. Talk about an ultimate setup. When the king heard the charge, he was much distressed. He was determined to save Daniel. So when it came, you know, push comes to shove, the king's like, oh no, like I'm going to try to save this guy because he knew the integrity of Daniel and his character. And he was determined to save Daniel. And until the sun went down, he made every effort to rescue him. But the conspirators came to the king and said, King, O king, that is a law of the Medes and the Persians, that no law or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king gave the command, and Daniel was brought and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you faithfully serve, deliver you. This is the king, a God king in a sense. He has the power to do everything, apparently, except change his own law. So that's weird, but that's for another day. This king says, okay, Daniel, his last resort is, may your God save you from the lions. A stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his signet, with his ring, and makes it official, and with the signet of his lord, so that nothing can be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. Notice this. What do we do when we fast? We pray. It's kind of the purpose of fasting. You don't just fast. You fast and you pray. So this king, who probably had no real knowledge of the one true God, except through his, his servant Daniel, this king spends all night fasting and praying for Daniel. No food was brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Then at break of day, the king got up and hurried to the den of lions. 
when he came near the den where Daniel was, he cried out anxiously to Daniel. He says, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you have faithfully, whom you faithfully serve, been able to deliver you from the lion's den? And you can just kind of imagine like that eerie, awkward silence, you know, like in all those movies where the guy dies at the end, but he really doesn't because he comes back to life, right? This is like that moment in scripture. See, some of you are like, man, I don't read the Bible because it's boring, but that's just because you don't have a soundtrack in your head to go with the stories of the Bible. All right, so just imagine every story you read in the Bible is a Hollywood movie, and you'll be okay. But this is that moment of silence where you're just like, did he make it? And Daniel said to the king, oh, king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths so that they would not hurt me, because I was found blameless before him and also before you. O king, I have done no wrong. Daniel does not allow his external circumstances where he is. Even when his life is at the point of death, he doesn't allow any of those things to deter him from that single act of prayer to his God, because he knows it is in that prayer that power comes. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. And I'll just finish the story with the next slide. The king gave a command that those who had accused Daniel were brought and thrown into the den of lions, they, their children, their wives. Before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. The moral of the story is, if you don't pray, the lions will tear you to pieces. That's not what it is. That's not what it is. That's not. Daniel prays regardless of the circumstances because he knows that it is in the power of prayer that he is able to live the life of character and integrity that God had called him to live. He lived in a place where there was no religious freedom, and yet he still continued to pray. We have religious freedom, so we have no excuse as to whether we will pray and live our life of faith vibrantly in this land. So do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. I would say, and I would argue, that the single most important act of faith that you can do is to pray. Now, read your Bible. We always encourage you to read your Bible because that's what we learn and we grow. But it is the, the act of prayer where you humble yourself before God and acknowledge Him as the supreme being. And you acknowledge to Him and ask Him, God, may I live my life according to Your will. And where I am resistant and reticent to follow you, Lord, I give you permission to shape me so that I can live in to your will. And you want to know what will happen? You will probably be humbled. And it may be painful. I'm going to repeat that. When you give God permission to shape you and change you, oftentimes he will humble you where you are proudest. And it may hurt. And it may be painful for days and weeks and months. But if you are serious about following a life that follows God's will, there will be scars, 
there will be pruning, there will be pain. But regardless of whatever you suffer now, the glory you will live when God has shaped you to be who he needs you to be will far surpass the worst of your circumstances. So even though you may find yourself in the midst of a lion's den, and even though you may fear even for your life, humble yourself, acknowledge God, and he will get you through it. Amen. Oh, can somebody say humility? Humility. One more time, humility. Humility. Let me tell you something, family. There is nowhere higher that you can be than at the feet of Jesus. Through prayer, through worship. There's nothing more beautiful than worship. And let me tell you something. Worship is not just with your songs. It's not just with the songs that you sing. But worship is a lifestyle. It's what you do on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then when you get here on Saturday. We have the saying at our church that when we come to church on Sabbath and we get our infilling of the word, it's just dessert. Because we ourselves should be seeking God during the week, getting our breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And then when we come here to worship, it's just sweet. It's just dessert. Right now, we're just going to ask God to empty us out of ourselves. Somebody say humility. Humility. And fill us up with more of him. One voice. Holy fire. Feel free to join us, family. Holy fire. Holy fire. Burn away. Burn away. My desires. My desires. Of anything. Of anything. That is not of you. And is of me. I want more of you. And less of me. Holy fire. Holy fire. Well, won't you empty me? Take the 
it's the cry of your heart, just cry out and ask God, well, won't you empty Well, won't you empty me? Well, won't you empty me? Somebody say humility. Well, won't you empty me? Oh, just say, I want more. I want more of you, Jesus. I want more. I want more. I want more. I want more. I want more of you, Jesus. I want more. 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 for this AV, so don't worry about it. This is all on me. This is my fault. But right now, I want all the men in the building to just raise your hands. Has God appointed any men in this building? Good. Okay. Now, I want all of you men to follow Boat. All right? Now, Boat, you're going to follow me. Okay? Now, I'm going to ask Brian. Brian, can you just give us something simple, just to the beat of holy fire? And right now, we're going to storm this entire worship place with worship, with praise. Okay? Right? Okay, here we go. Now, all the men, I want you to follow Boat. Boat, you're going to follow me. Let's just have a practice round real quick. Just follow me. I want more of you, Jesus. I want more of you, Jesus. Let's keep it rolling. I want more of you, Jesus. Come on, follow me. I want more of you, Jesus. I want more You're all of gonna you, be singing Jesus. With Come on, fellas. I want more. Come on, man. You're stronger you, than that. Oh, all the men. I want Somebody more say humility. Of you, Jesus. I right want now. more of you. I want the ladies. Jesus. I want you to follow my two I want lovely women right you, here. Jesus. And you guys are going to follow me, okay? I want more of you, Jesus. 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 Ladies, you can follow them. Come on, let's fill this whole room up with worship. This room is filled with people. Let's fill it with worship. I want more of you, Jesus. Now, where's all my sopranos? Sopranos in the building? Just raise your hand. I see one right there. I want all the sopranos to follow Aaron right here, okay? I want more of you, Jesus. 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 
Jesus. This is the cry of your heart. I want more of you, Jesus. Just let your heart cry out. I want more of you, Jesus. I want more of you, Jesus. If you want more, let this be your cry, okay? Jesus. Let's just fill this place with worship. Can we do that? I want more. God is seated above. I want more. 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 God bless you, family. God bless. Thank you.